0: Be true to yourself, follow your heart, you do you, don't let anyone tell you what to do. They're so easy to say and sometimes there's an occasion to say them. But these short little phrases do a lot of heavy lifting. Within these phrases is the orthodox beliefs of our world. Beliefs that we rarely question. Within these little phrases is the belief... That the good life involves getting what you want. Robert Roberts, our professor of ethics and emotional theory, he writes, We have been led to believe that the self is sacrosanct. Just as in earlier time it was thought never fitting to deny God, now it feels never right to deny self. Now, I think there are occasions when we deny ourselves, but these are often for greater fulfillment. So we might deny ourselves certain foods to lose weight, or we might deny ourselves sort of leisure so that we work hard and and promote ourselves in our career. They're often short-lived and they're often to fulfill desires. Self-fulfillment is a real thing in our world, and I don't think self-denial really is at all. The type of self-denial where we make it a habit of giving up our own needs and wants for the sake of another. You might call it self-sacrifice. There's a BBC documentary called The Century of the Self. It's on YouTube, and you can watch it for free. It's about how corporations, hand in hand with the advertising uh, industries in the last 100 years, have made us want things that we don't need so that life can so easily become about relentlessly chasing our wants. Now, it's into this context that Jesus' words cut right through. Verse 24 of the passage we read, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. We're going to look at the call of Jesus. We're going to look at the why and the how. So first, let's look at this call. As Jill said just before, in the previous passage, Peter gets it right. Finally, Peter gets Jesus right. He is the Messiah, the son of the living and true God. And then then just a moment later, Jesus describes what must happen to him, to to Jesus, because he is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He describes having to go to the cross. And out of loyalty, Peter says, no way, Jesus, that's not going to happen to you. And in response to that, Jesus says to Peter, you might remember, get behind me, Satan. Really strong words. Get behind me. In other words, Jesus is saying to Peter, get behind me, follow me. Don't, don't go off your own thoughts about what the Messiah should do. Get behind me. Follow my way. And that's exactly what Jesus says to the rest of his disciple, disciples in verse 24. Whoever wants to be my disciple, disciple means apprentice, whoever wants to learn my way must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, if you want to get Jesus right, you've got to understand this. This is a key idea for Jesus. This, this um, way of putting it, this, what it, what it means to follow Jesus, is repeated seven times in the Gospels. This is really important. And I don't want you to miss the word must. Just as it was a necessity for Jesus to suffer, he said he must go to Jerusalem to suffer at the hands of the scribes and the Pharisees. We get another must here. It's a necessity for all who are Jesus' disciples, to deny themselves, take up their cross and follow Jesus. Uh, writing at a time in, in Germany's history when Nazi was coming, uh, not Nazi, when, when Hitler was coming to power, and very few Christians were opposing him. Bonhoeffer, a now famous theologian, wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. He saw that the the church of his time taking grace really cheaply. They spoke about God's forgiveness, his, his free forgiveness, but it required nothing of the people. And so Bonhoeffer writes this, "...a cheap grace is preaching forgiveness without requiring repentance." Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, ultimately grace without Jesus. And then Bonhoeffer writes, when Christ calls a man or a woman, he bids him come and die. When Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me, he's saying, come and die. There's actually something we do in our life together that symbolizes this, this coming and dying, and that is baptism. Baptism is a symbol of a spiritual reality, that if you are a Christian, you've died with Christ and now live with him. Baptism is a symbol that you've died Um, Paul talks about this dying with Christ. In, In Galatians, he says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then in Galatians 5, he says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In other words, if you follow Christ, if you're a Christian, to deny yourself and put the cross at the center means that... in a a sense, in a spiritual sense, the selfish part of you has been crucified with Christ. You've died. And that means you're a new person with a new attitude. The, the, The person that lives with Christ has a new attitude and it says to Jesus, whatever you say, I do. Whatever you... Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. No matter what the cost, no matter what the suffering... I'm yours. This is the attitude of a Christian who lives in step with the, with the Spirit. The old self has died, the new is alive. There's a legend, I'm not sure if this is true, but during the Crusades, a very dark part of uh, the church's history, um, the, knight, the Knights Templars is their name. They were a military order of monks and... They were baptized in their full military attire into the water. They were, they were submersed into the water. But as they were going under, they'd hold their sword above the water, as if to say, Jesus, you can have all of me except the sword. And that's tragic. But I think, if we're honest, we'd agree there might be some things we want to hold above the water as Christians. I think it's different for all of us. I don't know what it might be for you. It, it might be a certain identity you hold. It could be a, a relationship. It could be a, a shopping habit. It could be your wallet. What are, you, what are you tempted to hold above the water? Carrying our cross is saying to Jesus, I let go of it all. It's yours. And it's worth saying as well, for us in, in the West, for us to follow Jesus and to go under doesn't necessarily mean losing everything. Um, there are many Christians in the world, for them to follow Jesus, it literally means giving up their lives. For these words of Jesus, denying themselves, for us to deny ourselves and to carry our cross, carry a, a heavier weight for many Christians around the world. It literally means... Losing their life. And I say that just to sort of ensure that the words of Jesus sink in. These are really, really big words that Jesus speaks to all his disciples. So this is the call of Jesus. And now the why. Okay, so verse 25, we get a four. So, so, you know, do this. Deny yourself and carry a cross, for, that is, because, and he's going to give a reason why we should do it now. So, for, whoever wants to save their life, or soul, it's the same word, will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? A word that's really easy to miss—I've underlined it, so you didn't miss it—is the word "will." Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will find it. We often assume that most of what Jesus tells us are commands—commands commands for us to follow—and and verse 24, for us to um, to deny ourselves and follow Him sort of sounds like a command, but it's more like an invitation. But we often assume that what Jesus has to tell us are commands. But the word "will" tells us this is not a command of Jesus. This is just what will happen in life. He is describing reality to us. This is the way life works, Jesus is saying. Whoever wants to, lose, uh, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will save it. He's just describing the way it works as, as a sort of a wisdom teacher. And so when it comes to life, and our own desires, we have two options. He's sort of black and white here. Deny Jesus and follow ourselves, option A, we'll lose our life. Or deny yourself and follow Jesus, and you'll save your life. Now, I really want to quickly parse out how this works. This is the why. This is why should we do what Jesus asks us to do this is the first reason that we'll find life so first um if we take option a we deny jesus and follow ourselves a few things will happen to our soul that is the deepest part of us the part of us that holds all of our identity our physical selves our mental selves our emotional selves is all encapsulated by the word soul if we if we deny jesus and follow ourselves a few things will happen to our soul So, first, we'll be unsatisfied. Human desire is infinite. And it cannot be satisfied by anything except the infinite. Augustine, a famous theologian of the past, says it really well, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you, O God. So, this means that nothing other than our continual connection to life with God will ever satisfy us no matter what it is we want whether it's good evil or neutral we'll never be able to get enough of it we'll never come to the point of saying oh i have enough i mean you could just think about this with the with the sort of the secular pantheon money sex and power let's think about money for a second who wants more money i'm guessing all of us want more money And I think it'd be fair to say that many of us have enough money. The the famous line by Rockefeller, he's one of the most richest guys in the history of the world, he was asked by a journalist, how much money is enough? And his iconic answer was, just a little bit more. This is the way life is. If we let what we want drive us, if our desires are insubordinate to nothing, they're sort of on the throne of our life, then we'll be left unsatisfied. Okay, that's the first one. Second, we'll disintegrate. So um, when we want is king, it, leads, it has a rule of, of anarchy. Uh, when we chase what we want and we don't get it, it can so often lead to anxiousness or anger. If we chase what we want and we do get it, it often means hurting those around us. It can mean breaking up relationships. It can even mean the close, the close of relationships. When what we want is on the throne of our lives, we come or we start to come apart. Relationships can break. Our lives can be torn by tension and maybe even guilt. When desire is left on its throne, and we just do whatever it wants, it can disintegrate our life, pull apart our life. Um, And third, it will be ruled by desire. Um, So desire isn't in and of itself a bad thing. So I think Buddha is wrong there. It's a great motivator, but it's a terrible master. So when what you do is what you want to do, and you have to do that, That's where the problems lie. One author puts it like this, to live with uncrucified affections and desires is simply a matter of putting them in the ultimate position in our lives. Whatever we want becomes the most important thing. And the most extreme example of this being run by desire is the drug addict. They just have to do what what has become a need for them to do. If we leave God out of it, our desires will become ultimate because they're all we have. Desires aren't all bad, but they're chaotic and they're deceitful, sometimes leading us into life and sometimes leading us off the edge of a cliff. They need to be subordinate to something. On the flip side, if we go with option B, if we deny ourselves and follow Jesus, we'll be satisfied. If it's true that our desires are infinite, and if it's true that they can't be satisfied by anything other than the infinite, then Augustine is right. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in Thee, O God. If we follow Jesus, God in the flesh, we can be full. Even if it means denying ourselves of other things, we can still be satisfied. We can stop chasing desire. We can stop seeking fulfillment because we're full. I will be integrated. Uncontrolled desire brings anarchy, but desire that is ordered by Jesus brings wholeness. It brings integration. When you follow Jesus, you're getting the biggest thing right, and everything else finds its place around that. So it's sort of like when you're putting IKEA furniture together. The most important step is to read the manual, and then hopefully everything else will come into the order. The most important step to life. Yeah, I haven't. I, mean, I I have. So I'm sort of a bit torn saying what I just said. Um, the most important, <laughs> the most important step is following Jesus. And everything else will fall into line. Um, and will not be ruled by desire, but we'll, we'll be motivated by love. Um, if what we want rules us, who knows where we'll end up? Or who will hurt along the way? But following Jesus, we know exactly where we'll end up. He tells us, into death and through to resurrection. And following the king of love, we won't leave a trail of hurt behind us. But love will characterize our life in the decisions we make, and the lives we live. So this is to say that I think Jesus is right when he says whoever wants to save their life or soul will lose it, and whoever loses their life will find it. Deny Jesus and follow yourself, follow yourself and you'll lose life. Deny self and follow Jesus, and you'll find life. Just before I mentioned Bonhoeffer's book, The Cost of Discipleship, and I think the sentiment behind that title is true, but another way of putting it that I think is quite, um, quite apt is the cost of non-discipleship. Have you thought about that before? The cost of non-discipleship. The cost of not following Jesus. One author puts it like this. Non-discipleship costs abiding peace, a life penetrated throughout by love, Faith that sees everything in the light of God's overriding governance for good. Hopefulness that stands firm in the most discouraging of circumstances. Power to do what is right and withstand the forces of evil. In short, non-discipleship costs you exactly the abundance of life Jesus said he came to bring. The cost of non-discipleship. Jesus is trying to open our eyes to reality. This is the way life works. And you've probably heard it said if you go against the grain, you'll probably get splinters. (laughs) But before we move on to the how, Jesus gives another reason for us to follow him. I don't know if you missed it or you saw it. Verse 28, we get another four. Four. That is another reason why we should follow Jesus. The Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. The truth is... That denying ourselves and carrying our cross, even though it does lead to life, satisfaction, wholeness, freedom, it will often feel like death. It's not a comfortable or a glamorous thing to carry a cross. And so here in in that verse, Jesus wants us to look forward forward. Jesus is saying when following him is just hard work, when it doesn't feel like satisfaction, like wholeness, like freedom for life. Know this. There will come a time when it'll be made clear for all to see that following Jesus is the path to life, even though other paths look more glamorous in the present there will come a time when it will be made clear for all to see that following him really is the way to life. So, we've heard the call, we've looked at the reason why, and now the how. Uh, Jesus says, come and die. That's the call he gives us. It's a massive call. And there is no way you're going to sort of just nod your head and just... Leave here and put it into practice unless you're convinced at a deep level that this is the best way to live. And so, how should we move forwards? I think it comes down to the two musts. Musts. M U S T S. Last week, there was a must. Jesus came. And he had to go to Jerusalem. He had to go to Jerusalem to suffer and die, to carry his cross for us. This is God in the flesh coming to serve us. The God of creation serving us with his life. And the call is for us to follow. We'll only follow the must in verse 24. Everyone who wants to be my disciple must go, uh, must deny themselves. We'll only be able to follow that must if we see the must in verse 21, which is Jesus going to Jerusalem to suffer. Uh, imagine if Jesus listened to Peter in the previous passage and didn't go the way of the cross. Jesus could have gained the whole world. That would have lost us. Jesus carried the cross and lost his life so that we'd be set free to find life following him. To not be ruled by our wants and desires, which go this way and that, but to be free to follow him, the life of self sacrifice that loves others, that loves God, that will give anything for God. Satisfaction, wholeness, being set free is found in that way of life. Now, you can't go wrong quoting C.S. Lewis. He says, Give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death The death of your ambitions, the favourite wishes every day, and favourite wishes every day, and the death of your whole body in in the end, submit with every fibre of your being and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have not given away will be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him And with him, everything else thrown in. At a time when we're really dependent on hospitals, I don't know if you've uh, heard how public hospitals came into being. Um, The first historically recorded public hospital was started by the self-sacrifice of a Jesus follower. Her name was Fabiola, great name. She was one of the wealthiest women of her time, the 4th century Rome. She read the Gospels. She heard or read about Jesus' self-sacrifice and his call to his disciples to self-sacrifice. And in the process, Fabiola changed history. She sold her vast holdings of property as the wealthiest woman in Rome and used that money to establish the first public hospital This was the first hospital that wasn't just available to um, injured soldiers, but for everyone. This was a big deal at the time. Um, A theologian at the time wrote of her, uh, Fabiola broke up and sold all that she could of her property, and when she had turned it into money, she disposed of all she could for the benefit of the poor. First of all, she founded an infirmary, her hospital, and gathered into it sufferers from the streets, giving them nurses uh, to care for bodies worn with sickness and hunger. Maimed noses, make sure I'm getting this right. Here. Maimed noses, lost eyes, scorched feet, leprous arms, swollen bellies. How often she carried on her own shoulder shoulders poor, filthy wretches tortured by leprosy. How often did she wash away the uh, purulent matter from wounds which others uh, could not endure to look at? This is an example of a life lived giving away and in so doing, finding life itself. This is the paradox that Jesus is speaking about. Give your life away and you'll find it. What might this look like for you? We need to be making self-denial a habit a way of life, a daily thing we do in the small things, so that when the moments of crisis come, when the bigger moments come to test us, our muscle memory will lead us to be faithful to Jesus without us needing to to think about it. If we don't do it with the small stuff, we'll stumble when it comes to the bigger stuff. So going back to the image of the soldier being baptized into death but holding above his head the sword... What needs to go under for you? I think it's really important at this moment in time, in your own heart and mind, to identify something. We need to be faithful in the small stuff. Might it be the goals you have for your family, that mainly your goals are comfort and security. Maybe those ambitions for you and your family need to go under, if they're the primary goals. Maybe it's ambitions you have for an investment portfolio. There's nothing wrong with investing, but if that's taking up and consuming too much of your thought lives and and desires, maybe that needs to go down too. Maybe it's a habit that you know is destructive to other people and yourself and even your spiritual life. Maybe that habit needs to go under. Maybe it's the way you spend your money. If somebody had a, a look at your bank statement Would it be obvious that you're a follower of Jesus? What needs to go under? Jesus says, Anyone who follows me must deny themselves, take up their cross. And he promises that it's the way to life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this time to to read it and think about it. We pray that you sink deep into our hearts your love for us, the depth of your love that, that went all the way to the cross, that went through death to the other side for us. We pray that you give us more and more insight into your love so that we might want to follow Jesus so that we might take up his invitation to deny ourselves and follow him with all we have we might take up that invitation with gusto and that our lives might be transformed we pray that you do this work in us we need your help this is something we can't do by ourselves and so please help us please change us we pray in the name of Jesus our Lord and Savior amen